Welcome to the Talk with Clouds podcast. Your host is Katie Ann, an island girl on a journey with her guests to learn about their backgrounds, businesses, passions, experiences, life lessons, and wins. Come and laugh, cheer, learn, and plan with us. My friend, take some time to come and talk with Clouds. Hello, world. Welcome to Talk with Clads. My name is Katie Yen, and I will be your host for today. We have a special guest joining us via phone. Her name is Christina Maldonado, and Christina is an attorney who practices mediation. So, Christina, tell us a little bit about your background, and welcome to Talk with Clads. Thanks, Katie Ann, for having me. Uh, sure, I've been an attorney and a mediator for 10 years now. Um, it's my second career. I have a past life as an in international development world, working in, in Central America and, and labor issues. And then when I came to Florida, I retooled, um, went back to law school, but I knew that I wanted to go into dispute resolution because um, before that, I had a master's in conflict resolution from George Mason University. So that was like AA for lawyers. It was a program that was full of people who had been lawyers like 25 years or so and were looking you know, for a different way. So I knew that was there. And, and I'm an unusual person in the sense that I've been doing ADR my entire, uh, my entire legal career because a lot of times people come to it as a second career. So... That's how, that's how I came to it. Okay, so tell us a little bit about conflict, the field of conflict resolution. It's pretty wide. Um, <laughs> in terms of mediation. Oh, in terms of mediation, sure. Um, it, you know, the, the roots of mediation um, in the courts, at least, uh, they go back to, I think it's 1976. There's, there's a famous conference called the Pound Conference, which I think still takes place today. Uh, but there was a guy whose name was Frank Sanders. He was a professor at Harvard University, and he gave this very famous talk called the Multi-Door Courthouse, which um, I, the idea was that, well, there's lots of ways to get into court if you have a problem. Uh, but at that point in time, really, the trial was like the common way to get out. You really did have to go to trial. And so um, he sort of posited this idea that you could resolve your disputes in all different kinds of ways, and it kind of opened the world um, at that point, they called it ADR, but maybe the A is sort of a misnomer because these days you're, you're you're almost like any, depending on the area, you're between eighty and ninety something percent likely, more likely to settle, and, mm -hmm. and your your probability of ending up in trial is substantially lower. So it's really the norm at this point in time to settle before going to trial. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, if you imagine here in Florida, there's there's like a thousand judges from all the way from the Supreme Court down to county court level. And there's only a thousand people. And every year there's about three million new cases. <laughs> so they have to go somewhere. Um, and all these different mechanisms uh, for settlement are part of the digestive system that keeps the court from breaking down. Okay. So what made you choose? I mean, law has so many areas. What made you um, go into, I know you said you had a, a second career, but what made you want to tap into conflict resolution? 
I, I love the field. I don't think I ever thought about going to grad school. Law school for me was not like a long-term plan that I grew up wanting to do. It sort of happened as the result of relocation. Um, but but dispute resolution has always been something I loved. Like I'm the kid who signed up for peer counseling uh, program in like sixth grade. <laughs> so wow. so, so it- it's been something that I've always been interested in. Okay. So a part of, you know, doing mediation, um, I'd say some form of conflict management is that you have to have those difficult conversations uh, between the parties that are involved. So what skills would you say someone needs to have those difficult types of conversation? That is so true, Katie Ann. Um, The ability to to see conflict not just as a barrier but as an opportunity, I think is is a very important part of the approach. I think if you just see it as a problem, um, sometimes you might overlook all of the emotional components. Um, I, um, you know, the way I can sort of liken it is if you can imagine having to go to a doctor to get bad news, what do you want that doctor to be like? right? You want that person to be compassionate. You want that person to be knowledgeable. (laughs) You want that person to tell you the information that you need to know and to be able to generate some options for you, but also to let you choose, right? Help you weigh those options and then, but let you make your own final decision and be respectful of that decision. So, um, in, 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 you know, in mediation, which is all about, party self-determination, right? Here are these two people who can't get along to save their life, but they have got to solve their own problem. That's the real challenge of mediation. Um, But uh, you as the mediator, you are having, helping them have those hard conversations with each other and sometimes with themselves. Okay. So can a um, party go through the mediation process and not agree or it's still, the issue is still unresolved? Yes. Yes. There's no obligation to settle your case, and the mediator is not allowed to settle it for you. Um, sometimes people really would like somebody to put a finger on that scale. Um, I think there are mediators out there who do that um, in terms of sort of uh, just either because they have a lot of experience or or because they were hired specifically for, for that sense that they could kind of you know, come out and be like, in my experience, this is what happens. But um, technically, that's not how <laughs> the process is supposed to work. Although I acknowledge that there's a that there's a hunger for that sometimes. Please save us from ourselves. Kind of a uh, of a dynamic. Um, the court is there ultimately, right? As sort of the tiebreaker, depending on your case. If it's a jury or a judge, depends on the kind of case. Okay. Um, but. Uh, Yes, it's it's uh, it's out there, um, and and so it can get a little sticky sometimes. <laughs> it can, uh, yeah, because I'm I'm thinking sometimes that you know people may be a little bit angry sometimes going into mediation, or you know they're motivated to come out on top. So egos get involved, you know, emotions get involved. So how do you navigate and remain calm during those processes? I think you have to. I mean, your your obligation. 
you kind of have to go with the temperament of of the room that you have, right? If people are are sort of running off ahead of you, you have to do what you can to slow them down. Um, And if people are sort of having trouble making decisions or thinking through, you have to try to help them to kind of catch up a little bit. Um, So, yeah, it's, you know, when people are angry like that, they're trying to be heard. Like, I feel like people turn the volume up when they've said the same thing 10 times over and they don't feel like anyone is listening. Um, Sometimes if you just show people that that you're listening, that helps, like that's enough. Um, That'll shift something at least. Uh, if if people feel listened to, that's half of it. Um, it but opening a mind that is really, really sort of stuck um, or blocked or somehow believes that, that there's justice for them at the end of the line, too. You know, sometimes you run into these matters of principle, which is like somebody, the mediator as an audience is not enough for this person. They really just do want to go see the judge or the jury and tell tell their story to that particular audience instead of um instead of the other person so to move them from that state of anger to a place where they're bargaining with the other side more effectively um it just you know you got to get them into a negotiating spirit and okay. if they're not in the mood to negotiate then you put then them to have to just send them on their way Okay, so then will a court send someone back who they go, okay, this is something, you've been to mediation, it's not working, and now they've gone to court. Will the court send them back to a mediator, or does it just, the final resolve is the court if it's can't, if it, if it was initially sent to the courts? Well, if it's, if it's settled, um, if, if the case settled, then, then the court just sort of signs off on the agreement as long as there's nothing um, objectionable about it they just sort of like well you know good job um you, you did it yourselves and you didn't need us right we're just going to make it official um and there's something to be said for that right um it, mediated agreements are followed more often um on the whole than than agreements that are than orders that are imposed like, people don't like the result they're going to turn around they're going to appeal it's going to be very hard to enforce but a mediation agreement that got created is very durable um and so um but but if if not you know the only thing the court gets from that mediation they don't get a report or anything like that they just get a little one piece of paper that says they came they mediated there wasn't any agreement and so everybody has to kind of go in front of the court and start from scratch and they have to present everything with a lot more formality um and so people um, don't have that sort of same freedom to just sort of speak and think out loud that they have in mediation. Because usually if you have a lawyer, you're sitting next to your lawyer, and if you're the person in litigation, you're like a kid. It's like, speak unless, don't speak unless you're spoken to and make sure you don't say anything that harms your case. So, you know, there's, you know it, it comes across as lying or self, self, you know, self-serving sometimes, right? because um, the other side is trying to bust you on something you're yeah. saying. And um, and all those aspects can be very complicated. Um, and then, you know, in, in terms of the results of trial, usually people, there's three possible outcomes and two out of the three are disappointing. You know, one is that you win, which is great. You walk out like Rocky, you know, with your fist <laughs> up in the air. You know, but the other one is is you only do okay, you know. 
like, yeah, right, they give you something, but it's not enough to make you whole, and it doesn't taste, you know, it's, it's like not having enough for lunch, you know, you're hungry, you're hungry by the time tea time comes around, um, you know, and then, um, then or you lose, and you get hosed. <laughs> you're stuck. So, no one wants to be hosed. <laughs> but everyone, everyone overestimates their chances, <laughs> on the whole, the litigant. So it's, um, you know, it, it's hard to kind of put that up against the reality of how things could go. <laughs> okay. So what motivates you? Because, I'm, you know, this is conflict, right? You're, you're in continuous conflict day to day trying to negotiate for um, the different parties involved. How do you stay motivated and what motivates you so that you don't take it home or you still have the passion for what you do? I really like doing this for a living. <laughs> I genuinely do. It's a little vultury some days, you know, <laughs> to kind of be there like, <laughs> dealing with all of people's problems. But I feel like I can really give them a hand. Um, so, so it's a it's a very nice uh, and rewarding feeling to to help people settle their cases, um, and and just get them to look at it with fresh eyes and and give it a try. And give it a try. Imagine for a minute how it could be different if this was solved and if you did it yourself, right? Just if you can get people to hold on to that um, or to kind of feel like they're done with it. You know, it's such an opportunity to be finished and know exactly what's going to happen. Because if they impasse at mediation, if they leave with no agreement, they walk out the door. They might be really feisty about it if they're sort of like, yeah, I'm going to go get that other person in court. But it's going to take a lot of money to get there. Um, you know, there's no guarantee that that, uh, that end result is going to be any better. Sometimes it's, it is, you know, I don't, I'm not a person, I think when I started Katie and I thought like everything could be solved. And now I just don't think neither, ni I think that not only can not everything be solved, but there are things that shouldn't be negotiated away because, you know, making case law is important and thing, you know, writing certain wrongs is definitely in the public eye has its has its value in its place um but for most disputes that people are dealing with the peace of mind even if you had to give a little to get there um of knowing exactly what's going to happen um is is valuable there's something to that even if you quote unquote lose or you know slash you're the one having to pay some kind of money um at least you helped shape the terms um, and could make some accommodations in some instances, to, you know, and then you hold up your end of the deal, hopefully, right? Because oh, yeah. that's what contracts are about. And an a settlement agreement is a contract. And so uh, you actually follow through. So what skill sets do you think that a good or a, a mediator needs to have, or I should say top three skills to be sure. successful in his or her role? Sure. Um, I think you need to have a lot of patience. <laughs> that's, I know that's kind of, uh, you know, sort of a, a soft skill, quote unquote, right? Um, in terms of, of uh, a good ability to kind of face the different, the whole array of emotions that people experience. Um, I'm having trouble keeping this to three. The ability to, to write, you know, to write 
clear agreements and things of that sort and 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 to kind of have the legal vocabulary if you're if you're mediating in legal world um, to have the legal vocabulary and knowledge to help people formulate solutions if it's a more complicated type of case some cases are just looking for a number but other cases have a lot more complicated terminology um, and so they, they need somebody who specialized in those cases sometimes um, and and um, here in Florida you actually have to go through training uh, so so you have to go through the whole um, well it's not required let me be clear uh, it's not required but it is a, an opportunity that's out there um, and there's around mm, between five and six thousand people in the state mm-hmm. who are certified in different ways um, to mediate for the courts okay and what type of parties are typically involved in the mediation um, is it typically a business, personal, both? All kinds, really. I mean, I think the one of the more common, the more common ways that people are likely to end up in mediation might have to do with a divorce, a paternity case, or some kind of small claims, either a, a credit card case or a insurance claim gone wrong that has to be, um, you know, sent to court to try to get something out of the insurance if you don't agree with with what um what came up then um but but basically in florida there's sort of a mandate that uh, workman's comp doesn't get mediated formally always sometimes it does not always uh stuff like that um but larger scale business cases also go to mediation it's it's built into the system you get at least one bite at the apple if you're in court okay. sometimes two <laughs> right. So, um, what what's what's one thing that you wish you knew before you started this journey of um, being a a would you call yourself a mediator or mm-hmm. yeah? Before- I would. I would. Um, it, it's um, that's a good question. I'm trying to figure and think of a of a good answer. Um, <laughs> I. I um, I think you have to know that I don't think I realized like how, how much of a of a sole practitioner I was going to be. Currently, I'm a mediator under the umbrella of one of two of the larger firms in Florida. It's a firm called Upchurch Watson White and Max. I've been with them for two years, um, and it's it's you know you're always out there reaching out for business. You really you know most of these things settle and then they move on so it's not exactly a repeat customer kind of a base although you do sort of generate connections with attorneys who are like the recurring characters of the soap opera um you 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 see them often um over the years even if you see one person once maybe some person a few times and other people more frequently depending on how it turns up so um yeah that just it's it's a lot of business development (laughs) you really you spend a lot of time marketing, um, which doesn't seem to be, you know, built into the, the concept. But yeah, um, but but it's necessary. It's just part of the gig. <laughs> yeah, you you wouldn't think of um, business development when you think of mediation. Yep. Right. And eat what you kill business <laughs> in that department. Oh, wow. <laughs> So how long does a mediation, like, like how long does the process itself typically take? It 
depends on how complicated the dispute can be. Um, you know, it, it, um, but, and honestly, like people fight sometimes I've seen people fight just as hard over $500 and $500,000. Like it really, it's the same pattern. Um, but, um, because of the money involved in that $500, you're probably only going to get about an hour or two to, to work on that one at all. Um, and on the $500,000 one, they might only have set a pot, they could have set aside, let's just say anywhere between four hours, eight hours. Um, there's, you know, there's, there's, there's not sort of an infinite amount of time that you get to work on the cases. Uh, the, some of, I've heard of bigger cases going much, much longer, but most of the time you're done in a day or even a half day, uh, depending on, on what you're working on. So with COVID, you know, COVID has kind of turned everything <laughs> upside down. And yes. so I'm sure it has affected mediation. And um, now we've gone to doing a lot of things virtually. So how do you handle that process um, virtually? That is a very good question. I would say that it changed the practice almost entirely in terms of the, the sort of where, where, when, how aspect of things. And I just don't think it's ever going back. <laughs> Although some people are dying to get back in person. Um, I don't mind going back in person. I've, I've done a few cases over the last couple of years in person, but the default right now seems people are just happy to stay online for this. Um, they're saving the commute and it's easier to schedule and, you know, yada, yada. Uh, I mean, people went from, oh my God, we can't do this online to, well, you know, with some difficulties and some learning, maybe we can figure it out to, okay, it's great. We love it. You know, um, people are very comfortable negotiating from home. Um, or home office or on the so for those those people zoom is a blessing um for those people who kind of think that it makes more sense to kind of hold on to the formalities um and that you want your person a little comfortable but not too comfortable you want them a little bit uncomfortable so there could be more pressure to kind of get it done um those are the people who are like mm, i'm not sure if online works for me um some of these things are actually turning into um, combinations of things like one person in person, one person online. I've had that happen. Um, and, um, you know, it's, if, if it's one person in front of a computer, I find it to be very easy, but if you're sort of like shouting through a computer at, yes. into a conference room full of people and you can't see everybody and microphone issues and that can be a little challenging, um, that can get a little challenging. So it depends. It depends on the setup. So are the, the clients or parties, are they more receptive um, to doing mediation virtually? Yes. Everything went online last year. Everything. A hundred percent. I went for oof, like 18 months without, I want to say, so what's smart, you know, from March, March of this year, I don't think I had an in-person case until July. Oh, wow. For a moment there, it was like, oh, my God, can we still do this? And then everybody's kind of looked around. This thing called Zoom. Yes, we can still do this. Okay, great. We are, we're still doing this. So, so it happened. Oh, so what tactics? Because, you, you, you know, I wanted to go back to um, 
you said business development that kind of stuck out a little bit sure. right uh because i i don't i never thought about um mediation being you know you're you're doing business development but i guess it does make sense where you eat what you kill so how did you how do you market your business and like which which tactics do you find to be the most successful or the sure. business that you work for i should say I, you know, I, I really would say that marketing broadly to attorneys is my more effective pool of people. Um, I, you know, over the years, I think every lawyer has an understanding how people choose you um, is important. Um, I think every attorney, nobody's the cup of tea for everybody. Like, like I, I am not the perfect person for every case. Every case is not the perfect case for me. So. Yeah. Um, there are certain things that people might find that I, I am more effective at or less effective at. Somebody else is more like the right person for this case. So I think every lawyer has sort of a short list of people in their office that they trust um, or come to trust as being someone who helps them get results, right, in term, in resolving cases and moving cases along. Because lawyers want to get cases done, parties want to get cases done, people really look forward with good hopes to to mediation days, to getting it settled for the most part, I think. But yeah, there's sort of this, this nudge to show up in good faith and give it a real try, right? And yeah. I think most for the most part, people do that. Um, not everybody. Sometimes you get like what I will refer to as reindeer games, you know, uh, just <laughs> free discovery or other aspects of it. But um but, uh, yeah, that's part of the process, too, right? Um, so, yeah, just, you know, reaching out to attorneys or people who could um, need a mediator at some point in time. Yeah, so, so you're, you're wearing multiple, multiple, multiple hats. <laughs> yes, if you do all different kinds, then, yes, you end up sort of in different pools of people at different times. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I do find the field to be very interesting because I just... Um, Personally, you know, a lot of people are afraid of conflict, right? So you have people that they will run right into it. And then you have some that avoid it and pretend like it doesn't, you know, like, oh, no, no. Like conflict, they hear the, the word conflict and they cringe. Yes. And then you have those who just ignore it and pretend like it will go away. Yes. <laughs> I, believe I think that, we all do all of those things at different moments, right? you know? It, they're all kind of different strategies and approaches to it. It was. Do you think it's more situational, like what's going on, what situation you're placed in that you adapt or yeah. you become? Oh, very good. Very interesting. And yet but I you, think you're right that you're... there's like a tendency that people have, like, like from it's probably early on, you know, how you felt about it as a kid is how you operate later in life. Yeah, I, my, my, I think my mom <laughs> was very strong <laughs> so I, I for myself and my sister I don't, I don't i don't think we run away from conflict but that's just no. probably something that's just inbred if that's the the perfect word or the good word there, there's the good a word. toughness there yeah, yeah. so it, it's it's definitely a part of how you're raised yep. because i i have if for someone who does not or, or believe that you can have healthy conflicts at time when you are faced with someone that typically runs away from it, it can be very frustrating. Yes. Come back here. <laughs> Let's finish this. <laughs> yes. Well, that's the beauty of productive conflict is that it ends it, right? 
you know, if you're capable of doing that and having a good productive discussion, argument, whatever, it can it can end the whole thing. It can end it terribly or it can end it well, but it ends it. <laughs> it so. ends it. But, you know, if, if you are taught just to ignore it, then it just mm. goes on, on unresolved, you know, it just festers and yeah. festers. So how is mediation different than arbitration? Mediation is quite different than arbitration. Arbitration, um, everybody in the U.S., I think, if you've ever, like, you know, clicked to buy something or bought an electronic or something like that, you've already signed, like, zillions of arbitration agreements in your life. You just never had to go to them for the most part. Um, A lot of times when people sign, like, HR manuals and stuff like that, for some of the bigger companies, um, you're signing agreements to arbitrate. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big part of consumer law out there. Um, and it's, it's kind of like private judging, if you will. Um, there's either one person or a panel of three, and they're called arbiters, um, who are going to hear um, evidence in a, in a format structured basically like a trial, as if it was an elected judge, except that it's a person who's selected and being paid for by the people in the litigation, in the in the arbitration, rather. And so that person has the power to decide that case. And they might issue findings, or they might just decide the case and not tell anybody why, depending on the kind of arbitration that you wanted. There's also binding and non-binding arbitration. Um, and non-binding has its uses um, because uh, if, if people don't go by the non-binding recommendation and choose to try it and then do worse, then there's kind of like, there's teeth to that. There's a penalty for that. Um, but binding arbitration, it's like, okay, that's what the arbiter said and that's what's going to happen. And there's very little you can do about those outcomes. Um, they are set in stone. So talking about finality, arbitration. <laughs> yeah. And then with mediation, there's not that finality as it would in arbitration. A, medi- a mediation can end with finality if the parties agree, right? If there's an agreement, it's pretty much done, right? And you can have like partial agreements too, and it, but an arbiter decide, isn't responsible for deciding the whole thing. It basically, you can file in court and if there's an arbitration clause in that contact, contract, they're going to remove you to arbitration. You're going to get basically kicked out of court and sent to arbitration because contractually you've agreed to it. Arbitration is a creature of contract. Okay. Somewhere in there, even if you didn't sign anything, you clicked on something and they said, if you want this, you have to agree that we're going to we're going to arbitrate under these rules and in this place and and in this manner. So somewhere in there is that clause. Okay. That's what defines the process. Okay. All right. So, you know, you're the, I I like to say the negotiator, the mediator, Mm -hmm. that's kind of leading the process. What has been your greatest fear as a mediator? And how do you manage that fear? Greatest fear? Um... I am not prone to being scared of what happens in there. Um, I am even, people get a little rowdy sometimes, but I, I, I think if you're like a good referee, you know, 
Like if you if you watch any kind of sport, if you have a referee who doesn't kind of call out the fouls early on and sort of make that process a clean one, um, then it becomes a dirty game, right? So you have to have, I think, a, a certain good level of control. Um, I don't really fear losing it because at this point, I think, like. It's like controlling, control without being controlling, right? You can't, you're not controlling the outcome, you're controlling the process, um, and the parties are controlling the outcome. So it's very collaborative that way. Um, and so for mediation, not a lot. Um, not, a, not a lot of concerns. I think at the beginning, um, um, just establishing a reputation and building a practice um, doing doing that aspect of things okay so building a, a reputation as a mediator mm-hmm. or just for the practice um, as a mediator and and as and and the practice as well it's it's um, uh, it's when you when people I think there are more people who would like to do this than who who get to do it if that makes sense okay um, all right yeah, it's it's uh, it, 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 there's a lot of work out there, but kind of like organizing everything into enough of a flow that would sustain you as a full time neutral. A lot of people end up doing it as a sec, like a like an additional um, process that they do. Like they they don't do full time mediation; they do mediation and something else. Mediation so. and something else. Okay. So how do you keep your skills? How do you sharpen your tool? I would say. Um, I, um, yeah, there's there's requirements for training when you're certified in Florida, so you're you're taking classes and working on the ethics. I think it's like practice, and um, and I teach as well. <laughs> so if you ever want to learn something better, teach it. Yeah. <laughs> so. That is true. They say if you want to know how to do it, you train someone on how to do it. Yes. And it reinforces yes. that skills, the skill sets. Yes. So what do you teach? Um, I'm, I'm one of the trainers in the state for, um, for circuit civil and family mediation training. Circuit civil is the disputes over $30,000 where nobody's going to jail. <laughs> Just money. <laughs> well, in mediation, for, for mediation, it's not criminal, right? It's all only business no. and personal. That's correct. Um, although, you know, you could say that all the plea bargaining stuff that goes on is sort of mediation by, you know, with ne- it's negotiation. It's the same idea, but but um, there have been places that have tried to open that that process. Mm. Um, and um, and so I think the army has like a mediation program and you know and disputes and stuff. And 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 I've seen um, I've actually heard of certain police departments setting up like community grievance mediations and stuff like that civil again you know nobody's freedom on the line but um but you do sort of see it um attached to other things the whole restorative justice movement but the bulk of it is in civil okay all right so what's one life lesson that you could share with our listeners about your journey as a mediator um that was something that was unplanned um but it ended up being a a very good lesson that you could take away some points from that 
Ay, a ver, let me see. Um, I think, I think it helps me put a good balance between um, what I can affect and what I can't affect. That sometimes you do just have to let it go. Um, it's it's like the the serenity prayer, you know, just help me know the difference between the things I can change and the things I cannot change, you know, just um, that that it takes wisdom to kind of know the difference uh, and clarity about that. And that's not always obvious right away, I think. Um, I, I, I am... Um, and the other thing is that a lot of times we're taught to problem solve, right? Find what's wrong with it and fix it. Um, and one of the things I think that mediation has taught me is to find what's working and build on it. Find what's working and build on it. Yeah. That's a very, that's a very, um, practical way to approach mediation. CLAD's resources and consulting values its customers. Our planner footsteps to my vision is a 13 month planner that can be used for five years. It walks you through SMART goals, SWOT analysis, action planning, and holds you accountable through three monthly check-ins. We work only with top quality materials, innovative designs, and verified suppliers which are guaranteed to deliver to our high expectations because when it comes to our customer satisfaction, there's no room for compromise. Made with high quality PU leather and paper planner helps you focus on achieving your goals by giving you a sense of personal and professional satisfaction. Some of the amazing features of this product, vision board planner, luxury pen, eight gigabyte USB flash drive, wireless mouse, ultra elegant packaging box, available in five stunning colors, black, red, gold, pink, navy blue. Material, PU leather, 13 month planner, elastic band for easy handling. Our footsteps to my vision is available at Amazon, Facebook, Instagram, our website, and at Walmart. You may also follow us at www.cladsresources.com, Instagram, Clads Resources, Facebook, www.facebook.com forward slash Clads Resources forward slash. You're listening to Talk with Clads. Find more resources online at cladsresources.com. Now back to the show with your host, Katie Ann. You're not stuck relitigating the past, if you will. You're stuck. You're spending your time productively trying to figure out where you're going to go. So, you know, none of the beating yourself up over this or that. We're just going to, you know, just, just stop keep. pointing fingers at each other, hold up the mirror at ourselves and try to move on. That, that's that's actually really good advice. And really, we, we can do that in all areas of our lives. 
We you ask for a life lesson. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best one I can think of. <laughs> Actually, one of the like I feel like mediators like you're, you're sort of stuck with a lot of very corny lines in this world, but they're not any less true. There's the one lady who taught me. She used to work at the at the Palm Beach County Courthouse. Her name was Laverne Mosley, and she probably mediated 25,000 cases. She was there until she retired. Um, she was a non-attorney mediator, and she was just really 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 gifted um and her line was always like you gotta look at it through the windshield and not in the rearview mirror oh that's a <laughs> and good i one. always you know I, I i learned that lesson early and i've always, i've tried to carry it on and share it <laughs> oh that's 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 really a good one and so speaking about her um mm-hmm. what three or who are the three people who have been the most influential to you um along your career path Um, I, I, I had the benefit of landing in a place where I got to practice with a lot of people at the beginning because I was part of the, the, the department at the courthouse um, in Palm Beach County when I first started. And I think of it as like a clerkship, you know. Um, I learned so much from all the people who were there and there were so many cases I just got to just try stuff and see if it worked or didn't work and, you know, you know, learn from those experiences and have somebody right there to ask if I had my questions. Um, so that was that was a very special um, experience for me, at least. Um, and Bill Moreno was the director then, and um, 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 and Laverne worked there as well. There was there there was a whole department of people there who, Lourdes Castillo actually, who mediates out in Bill Blade right now, still with the department. Um, and um, Danny Hoffling was the director right now. I just learned a lot of people, a lot from all of the people who were in there um, doing that at that point in time. And, and the different trainers that I went through all kind of left their stamp on me. Uh, there were several people um, along the way. Terry Itkin and Eleanor Robin, Susan Dubo, David Wolfenson, um, Several retired at this point. Yeah. <laughs> but, but so um, what are some of the things that you learned from them? I heard from Laverne. Well, you, you heard you heard Laverne's windshield explanation. Um, there's, um, there's a set of ethical rules um, that govern court-ordered mediation. And um, it's, think, you know, Florida actually is one of the states in the U.S. that has very good mediator training like we are a model nationwide um as far as what we offer and um the professional rules and the ethical rules are a really important part of that um they've been around since sort of the mid 90s and um it's really helpful to have that guidance because um when you're practicing there's always gray kinds of situations like like the example that we were talking about earlier about do you give advice or do you give an opinion? And the rules say no, right? So the, there's a lot of you know bright lines there that you can kind of do that. But that doesn't mean that people don't turn around and ask you like, so what would you do? Yeah. <laughs> this is your case, right? Or, you know, you're sitting there going, you're neutral. And people will be like, well, you're a woman, so you're going to agree with me, right? Or, or, or you know, so you're this. Or, you know, people always kind of will try to sort of put an arm around you or you know, try to, everybody wants you on their side, right? Right. And so you have to make people feel supported, but without losing 
you know, your, your, your spot, uh, your neutrality and your impartiality. You know, you, you don't, or you don't want to get hooked there on, on some final outcome or some result. It's got to be theirs, even if you are helping them come up with solutions. Um, so, um, it's, it's, uh, you know, how to, how to do things ethically, um, right. even, even in a complicated situation. <laughs> All right. Ethically in a complicated situation. Yeah. Right. And if we, if, if we, if mediation 101 for the workplace. <laughs> <laughs> right. Where are my boundaries? Where are my boundaries? It's nice to have them that clear in that respect. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a great way. So I like to ask this question um, of all my guests. Is there a question that I did not ask you that you would have liked me to ask you? Is there a question that you didn't ask? You, I, I love your questions. They've been wonderful. <laughs> so you, you got me on something I love to talk about. So <laughs> yes, I, I, you know, I am, I was very excited because I'm like, oh my God, this is what I'm doing now. So Great to I'm hear. I'm so glad that there's that connection. <laughs> yes, listen, I almost ripped out the textbook, but. <laughs> um, I'm a book nerd, so I'll go with books. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Any good books on the subject? Yeah. <laughs> I there's um there's a couple of um. How about you? Like, just out of curiosity, what what are you reading in in, in conflict resolution world that you're enjoying? Uh, so, so for the most part, we're focusing on um, handling difficult conversations mm-hmm. right now. Like, it's not called the art of difficult conversations. It's, it's probably literally just called difficult conversations. It's a lot of books, Chris. I, I, I was very surprised at the number of books that we have to read within one semester. It was a little bit <laughs> overwhelming, I would say. A when the book, book a week, which is. When the book, <laughs> yeah, when the books start coming in, but the one that I feel like I use the most I, or get the most from is having those difficult conversations, being able to identify the type of conversation that you're having. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, because once you can identify the type of conversation that you're having, then you know how to navigate it. Yes. So, yes. so, so that's been by far my favorite so far. That I, I and that's just because I'm like okay in my day to day at work I'm using it in in you know any conversation can be a difficult conversation, yes. And so to hear you know like you're on that path where you're having those types of conversations, and you know mediation oh my god feelings are involved. Uh, I've been through mediation. I know my feelings were heavily, <laughs> heavily involved you know and the person that did it was 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 very patient you know and she made you feel like you know she was listening to you regardless of what she felt and she did it for both sides so that that i'm like i've gone through it i respect it i'm doing it right now with work (laughs) and personal life and you know so it it it's very an interesting topic and one that I was excited to have you come and discuss. The art of mediation. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, a lot of people come to it from an experience with the process and go, wow, you know, that's really powerful. What a powerful process, right? You know, it's, it's, 
I'm not sure people feel the same way about arbitration, um, you know, in, in the sense that that it, it's it's seen sometimes as being like one sided, you know. Yeah. It's it's viewed as sort of benefiting the larger entity, but in mediation, even if the power is imbalanced or feelings are hot, you know. You can you can do it yourself, right? You can right. But how do you handle like global on a global scale? Because that's one part that I want to understand a little bit more is um, mediation or the art of mediation is a lot of it is negotiation. Um, how does that? Have you ever had to do that on a global scale? On a global scale, I've I've been mediating mostly in the context of the Florida court system, so. Um, you know, I think I, I came out of grad school in Washington, D.C., so, you know, graduating, I didn't know I was going to end up doing this. I, I you know, I, I thought I would probably end up doing sort of international conflict resolution work, frankly. Uh, that's what I thought I was going to grad school for, um, <laughs> when I, because that's what I used to do. Um, and then I sort of came down to be closer to family and and uh, got married and reproduced and sort of you know, reevaluated <laughs> things. <laughs> so, Life happened. <laughs> Life happened. Yes. Um, so it's it's still a little bit of a contrast, you know, the the past life and the present life in that respect. But um, I mean, um, I, I actually with your sister. I, I we should clarify. I I went to law school with your sister. This is how we know each other. Yes. Um, and the two of us have, have kids about the same age. Same um, age. I can't believe yes. he's so big. <laughs> um, my son loves your son too. <laughs> your <laughs> older one. <laughs> so, um, so um, you know, the two of us sort of had that interest in all the international stuff, and we ended up in New York, sort of following the United Nations. Yes, I forgot that she wanted to do um, international business. That's how we got to know each other better, because we were both um, in, in that program. And, um, and yeah, I honestly, I thought that I was going to end up doing that kind of work at one point in time. But it's sort of a narrow little window globally. Um, and you have to be willing to uproot your life all yeah. the time. And That's actually how I grew up. Um, and so I think I sort of looked at one point when it when it sort of was like this or that i was like well i think i'm gonna stay closer to family instead so so i kind of you know left that and 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 still doing it on a smaller scale doing it <laughs> so do you get a little twinge like oh i wonder if some days i i'm some like i'm like a big news nerd and stuff like that so i i like following all of that maybe one day um, but I don't, it's hard to kind of just jump in, you know, um, and without any kind of context. And in my case now, I think the context is the legal system. Um, so, um, actually, weirdly enough, I had like one contact before with ADR, the dispute resolution, because I used to, I worked in a project in Central America and one of the pieces had to do with ADR in Guatemala. And, and labor-related issues. And at that and in that place and space, people always just wanted to go to the judge because they felt that anything in mediation was just going to let them, bar was they were just going to be bargaining away what they were entitled to. Um, which is, that was, that was the, the perception, was that it was like, this is something that we don't want to do because if we go to the judge, we'll get justice. And if we go here, we're just going to end up giving something up. 
is mm. where I've gone. And I've always sort of kept that in the back of my head, um, you know, about how people can feel about something, if it's fair or not, or, you know, fair is like the F word, you know, it's like, it's, it's such a real and important concept, but it's so driven by perception too. Like what one person thinks is fair, like you can, like, I made a fair offer, right? Don't you think that's fair? <laughs> the other side's like, boom, <laughs> no, <laughs> how dare they insult me this way? Yeah. <laughs> It's really perception-driven. That it is. I, it, I mean, yeah. And that's based on my experience, not on a global scale, though. Mm. I think, uh, but on, on a global scale, I would think that's it. It's more magnified. Yes. You know, because yes. It, and it, on a global scale, there's no judge or jury at the end of the line. You know, like there might be, maybe, <laughs> but most of the time, it's like, what an election? <laughs> you know, just some kind of giant expression of popular will <laughs> and hard to you know yeah the, once you get past the court system there's there's not that many other there's lines. Oh, well. well it has been an absolute pleasure Likewise. speaking <laughs> with you i'm so excited that you came on i know we've been kind of missing each other on this podcast so i was <laughs> so happy to connect and thank you for being so flexible and just saying hey Same. i can do it via phone Same. <laughs> Same, <KDN. laughs> it's a pleasure and it's i'm really excited for you with your podcast this is just it's, it's such a, a commitment and an accomplishment and congratulations for doing this oh How cool. thank you thank you i absolutely love it i love um just having our listeners learn different topics and you know walk with everyone through their journey because sometimes your journey helps to inspire someone else's journey you know awesome. or or take away any type of um hesitation or you know it's not that bad you know you you may sometimes we talk ourselves all this stuff and so to listen to someone who is an expert in their field or someone who's an entrepreneur then it's like oh okay so i'm not the only one that think about this i'm not the only one that's going through this you know <laughs> And, and so yeah. if if the podcast can be a a tool for for that I'm happy to do it awesome. that that's one thing I'm passionate about love it love it well love thank it. you for joining us and everyone thank you for taking some time to talk with clads bye guys thanks for listening find us on social media at clads resources and online at www.cladsresources.com. Our planner, Footsteps to My Vision, is also located on our website or on Facebook, Instagram, or Amazon. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share, and check back weekly for new episodes. Until next time, keep creating your footpath to your vision.